Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. Some people misinterpret aesthetic appreciation, romantic attraction, or sexual arousal as being a sexual attraction, only to realize later that they are asexual. Julie Sandra Decker. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. This is episode 33. Well, I'm Em. I'm G. And today on the KNP Podcast, we are going to be talking about asexuality and kink. Yes, this is a uh, topic that I believe is near and dear to Em's heart. It is very near and dear to my heart. And also, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who voted on the poll on our very small, very, you know, petite little community uh, on Discord. Who It was between this, it was between asexuality kink and voice kink and hypnosis and ASMR, which also a lot of people said it was very hard for them to choose. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, asexuality and kink came out on top. All right. So, yes, asexuality is near and dear to my heart, G, because... I'm asexual. Is this supposed to be a grand revelation? <laughs> like um, This is my coming out experience. Like, I know. I think all our listeners know. All of know. our listeners know. All our audience folks all, know. All of our audience folks know, right. Yes, yeah. all of our audience folks know. But not everybody knows exactly what asexuality is, and especially it seems contradictory when we think about kink. So we're going to talk about all of that Okay. on today's podcast. I wanted to first point people uh, in the direction of a great resource online, which you can find, and we will also post this in the show notes. It is simply asexuality.org. Okay. You go to that website and you will find a lot of resources on asexuality. People will post research that they're doing on ace. So if you are asexual, you can participate in research. You can join groups and online and communities and find people to connect with. It's a really great resource. So I highly suggest checking out asexuality.org. To get to, and I'm not going to read like the dictionary definition, I'm not, I'm not even going to read asexuality.org's definition, I'm going to talk about asexuality in terms of how I understand the phenomenon. Okay. So, asexuality is, as simply as I can put it, just the lack of sexual attraction. Okay. That's it. Now, you knew that. Yes. We've talked about this We've before. We've talked about this before. <laughs> but a lot of people, they think that means you don't want to have sex. Like, did you ever think that that's what it meant, or? I mean, before I met you, yes, that's what I thought asexuality was, is that you did not want to have sex. Right. Uh, after I met you and started dating you, you taught me more. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, you think about it, because, like, A is not, and then sexual, you're like, okay, not sexual, but actually just, like, lack of sexual attraction. And there is a spectrum. So some aces can or do experience sexual attraction after forming a close emotional bond with someone, or at least a sufficient enough, whatever that looks like to them, emotional bond. And that is referred to as demisexual, demisexuality. Mm -hmm. Yes. And one thing that uh, I should note for our listeners, even though it does say on our website that this podcast is presented by one asexual, one allosexual, I, the supposed allosexual <laughs> have been wondering if I'm actually demisexual mm -hmm. uh, for the past while. I don't know. 
I'm still, you know, learn, you know, trying to learn things about myself and where I fall on these kind of spectrums. So, yeah, I, 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 but I feel very sympathetic to the demisexual position. Absolutely, yeah, and I have a lot of good friends who are demisexual, and it's really that emotional closeness that they need first before they will be able to experience the sexual attraction. And then there's also another kind of um, asexuality, like under the the umbrella of asexuality, there is gray sexual or gray asexual, which is the, you can experience sexual attraction, but under extremely specific circumstances or rarely. And uh, a lot of kinky ace folks consider themselves to be under this gray asexual kind of umbrella mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes it's not for every kinky ace, of course, but for those who do experience sexual attraction in kinky moments, you know, that's can be a form of gray ace because it's very specific. They yes. only experience the sexual attraction when engaging in kink. And this is also, I've also heard this being called kink sexual. Okay. So one of my friends calls, says, oh, you're a typical kink sexual, you know, I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. I guess I do, if I'm going to experience sexual attraction, it does tend to be in kinky environments, but that does not mean that every time I'm in a kinky environment, I experience sexual attraction. Okay. So, and a note for the rest of the episode is that asexuals often refer to themselves as aces. Yes. So, um, or if you want to say like, I'm asexual, you should say, I am ace. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we use that terminology, just wanted our KNPAF to know that. Okay. Gee, stop me anytime, you know, if you have questions or you want me to clarify, because I have a lot that I want to say. Yes. <laughs> I, I I looked at the pages of show notes and realized you had a lot to say, so. I do, I do. So we, we went over the fact, like, you know, asexuality is a spectrum. It's not necessarily cut and dry. And then the other thing is that asexuality is not an indication of not wanting sex or not liking sex. And so there's normally three terms that the asexual community uses um, to describe their interest in sex. Okay. Which is independent of attraction. And also, I will say, for a lot of people, these things are connected. For a lot of people, attraction and action are connected, or attraction and desire are connected, or attraction and identity, whatever. In this case, you know, we're going to operate under a sort of Yes, you can have an attraction and not act on it, or you can act on something and not have an attraction. So just putting that out there too. So three types of aces in terms of their interest in sex. So we have sex-favorable aces, and those are people who do enjoy sex and, and actually may actively seek it out, but they're not necessarily attracted, sexually attracted to those that they engage in sex with. They really love the sex, and they really don't care who the person is. Okay. Uh, the attraction doesn't have to be there. Have you ever experienced that for yourself? Like, this is kind of like, um, well, I would say this is not the opposite of demisexual, but it's very different from the demisexual experience, typically. I, uh, just thinking back, I think every sexual experience I've had has been with someone I know and was attracted to. I know there was, okay, there was a couple of times at the, uh, at kink camp, but those are unsatisfying, which is why I... (laughs) thought i was like maybe i'm demisexual yeah that's interesting um i would consider myself like i don't consider myself very sex favorable but on the next kind of like 
next kind of category or label or whatever of, of sex interest um, is sex neutral. And I kind of consider myself to be more sex neutral. Okay. I don't like it. I don't not like it. Um, it's neither here nor there. I sometimes engage in it for some reasons and sometimes I don't engage in it for other reasons. And then I kind of alternate between that sex neutral and then the third category of sex repulsed, which is that sex squicks you out. You want nothing to do with it. You don't engage in it for whatever your reasons are. Just not interesting. And this is probably the most popular conception of asexual. Right. A lot of people think asexual and they think, oh, asexual sex repulsed. But actually, that's not the case. And vice versa, allosexual people can actually be sex repulsed, right? You can have an attraction for someone, like really strong sexual attraction, and really not want to engage in the sex for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, allosexual people can be sex favorable, they can be sex neutral, they can be sex repulsed. It just so happens that we have these stereotypes or images that we think, we think allosexual, we think, oh, of course they enjoy sex. Or they're asexual, they must be sex repulsed. Okay. But this is not always true. And, um, you know, there's different reasons for engaging in sex as an asexual person. Some aces engage in sex to please their partner or form a deeper emotional bond with them. Or maybe they even, like, just have sex purely for the procreational purpose. Okay. Which, you know, again, all of those reasons are things that allosexual people can also engage in. Yes. And as I had mentioned, attraction does not equal action. But they tend to be highly correlated for people. Yes. I know that I've had a lot of people be very confused at sex favorable aces and say like, well, how can you not be sexually attracted to them, but you, you want to have sex with them and not being a sex favorable ace myself. I can't speak to that inner experience, but I do sometimes engage in sex. Like I'm sex neutral. So sometimes I engage in sex and I'm very rarely actually sexually attracted to the person I'm engaging in sex with. I mean, to me, at least the way I understand it, is, like, you can be horny and just, like, I want to have sex right now. I don't particularly care who it's with. Like, I think that is an experience that many allosexual people can relate to as well. It's like, I don't I don't need, like, you know, a lifetime relationship. I just need, like, a one-night stand. <laughs> yes, although I do know for a lot of allosexual people, at least when I've talked to them about this, they do say, like, even if it is a one-night stand, they want to be sexually attracted to them. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I would be fine if it's, like, whoever. I don't have to be super close to them, but I at least want to be sexually attracted to them. Mm. So I think that, you know, I'm not saying all the time that that's the case. Yeah. But. So finally getting to the core of this topic is, like, being kinky and asexual. Yes. Like, from my personal experience, I really enjoy engaging in kink for primarily non-sexual reasons. And what would those reasons be? There's a lot of different reasons that can motivate, like, engaging in kink for me. Before I get into my my reasons, okay. or, like, not my reasons, but, like, my, yeah, my reasons, my experiences, I did want to preface, like, it makes sense in a way why people think kink means sex or that sex is involved because of, you know, yeah. G, you were going to talk about... Yeah, so I had a portrayal. note. Basically, I think... A majority of media, both popular and erotic media, not saying that erotic media is not popular, I'm just trying to distinguish between like pop culture and reading porn online. I think a lot of media portrays kink as being an inherently sexual, like even if kink is not a part 
of foreplay or part of the sexual practice itself. It is portrayed as being an inherently sexual or erotic activity. Going back to one of call back to our first episode, Fifty Shades of Grey. In that movie, you know, it is that is portrayed even the times where Anastasia, like part of the conflict of the movie is Anastasia's like, I don't, I don't want this, but it makes me aroused. So it's portrayed as sort of being inherently an erotic practice uh, when I don't think, I think a majority of people who are actually in the scene can attest to the fact that it doesn't have to be an inherently erotic practice. And I think you can speak more on that. Yeah, for sure. So like G said, the media definitely does portray kink as being inherently sexual. And even within the queer community, there's always debates about whether or not you can wear a collar out in public, because does that mean you're advertising what you do in the bedroom? And then, you know, that gets very complicated. But for me, there are some really very, like, they're non-sexual reasons for engaging in kink that I feel like are valid and, and real. So for one, there's the emotional intimacy. I, and I feel that a lot when I engage in hypnosis play, when I engage in DS, dominance and submission. But honestly, it could be with anything. Any scene that I go into with someone, I do feel like an emotional closeness to them. Because um, you're getting to know them, you're getting to explore in this new way. And for me, that is emotionally engaging. There's also like the sensory aspect, just the sensory exploration. And I think this is a lot like with rope play, the feeling of restraint or safety and grounding. Like I've tied a lot of people and they say that they feel very safe, very cozy, or maybe it's that feeling of helplessness. It could just be the uh, the physical sensation of the rope tight around your skin or the scratchiness or the whatever it is, whatever sensation you're getting out of it in that moment. I think about with sensory play, knife play, impact play, those types of things. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of kink can fall under sensation play, like everything from flogging to knife play to, uh, you know, my personal favorite violet wand. Like I, I both top and bottom for violet wand. And when I'm bottoming, it is not about sex. It is, you know, I want to experience what I consider to be a delicious sensation. Ooh, I love that word. Delicious. Delicious Uh, sensation. I like that. That's honestly, I top and bottom for fire play. And I feel very similarly with fire play. It's like, that's a delicious sensation. Yeah. I like that. So I think a lot of, a lot of play that's in the BDSM scene could fall under just like sensation play. I mean, even things like, uh, scratching somebody i know people who are really into like being scratched or tickled or even needle play we had talked about that a little bit in a past episode have we we did very because we put a warning in for it okay and i had just mentioned it a little bit at the end i think yes i think even that like yeah it can be sensation play right yeah so yes a lot of bdsm play can fall under sensation play and there's also couple other reasons why I might engage in kink besides just the emotional or the sensory aspects. Another one is the theatrical experiences. So as a previous theater kid, because I was a theater kid, of course, and you are a techie, G. Yes, I was a techie. I always fall for techies. (laughs) 
you know, as a former theater kid, you know, it's called a scene. Like we're, we do scenes in kink. We call it playing. We go on play dates and it's like, you get to play, you get to role play, play a role in DS or otherwise, if you're playing like, you know, in my um, fan fiction yeah. story time with them, my first story time with them, you know, it was a scene about a role play between a cop and a villain. Yeah. We've thought about doing like an interrogation scene and yeah. role playing in that sense. And so for me, that really allows me to, I get to portray this someone different. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a lot of fun. And the last reason that I thought of for now, of course, is the supplementary therapeutic experiences, which is to say that King can be very cathartic. You know, I've asked, I asked somebody once to like flog me until I cried. Yeah. And that was very cathartic for me. And I will caution, I will just say like, we've said it in other episodes, but kink is obviously not a replacement for therapy. It is not. It is not. But let's be very clear here. It is not a replacement for for uh, for counseling or therapy. Or psychological meds. Yes. Whatever you need. But it can supplement healing. There's a lot of people who engage in consensual non-consent scenes after they've experienced... Oftentimes they've healed a good amount from the negative experience and now they're using kink as a way to regain control yeah. over a negative experience. So... I think therapeutic reasons are valid as long as everybody is risk aware. Mm -hmm. So those were the primary reasons that draw me to engaging kink that are not sexual. And G, you had brought up earlier about the idea of being aroused. You said in Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. Anastasia like has this conflict. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't want to be into BDSM because it's weird or whatever. Creepy. Who knows? Perverted. Doesn't fall into mainline America. Right. Uh, But that she's aroused by it. Yes. And this is something that I did want to say, too, is, like, sometimes it's it's not understood that aces do, can, slash do, if they do. Because some don't, but they can. Anyways. Arousal. Because, like, sometimes, like, kink, engaging in kink, sometimes it does make me sexually aroused. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I'm sexually attracted to the person or the people I'm playing with. Arousal doesn't necessarily result from attraction. It just, arousal is often just a simple physiological response to stimulus. Yes. And it can be physical or mental stimulus. Right. I've definitely become aroused in scenes simply because, like, I'm a sadist and (laughs) I like hurting people. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that... I'm sexually attracted to the, uh, to my play partner. Right. So yeah, I do absolutely get aroused. And, um, this is especially with certain types of kink. Like DS for me is a little bit more, um, sexually charged. That doesn't mean it has to be. And it doesn't mean it always is. It just means there are, like, if I'm, if I'm engaging in DS, there's a more likelihood of that sexual arousal component. And on the topic of DS, There's also, so I wanted to talk about sex as a service or as a tool for service topping. Okay. Um, Because I've, I've heard of these experiences or I've experienced them myself in some ways. The first one, sex as a service, is like this could be another motivation for engaging in sex. As I had mentioned before, like um, pleasing your partner is often a motivation to engage in sex. 
one of the ways that kinky aces might engage in sex is as a service, especially if they're like very service oriented or submissive or bottom, they might feel like more connected to their top or their dominant by providing that service. On the other side of the slash as a dominant or a top, and of course these words are not interchangeable. Yes. They do mean slightly different things and depending on the person you'll get different definitions. But there are tops who service top and for kinky ace tops, they might participate in sex for their submissive or bottom just as they're giving them pleasure. And I heard one story of this kinky top that um, likes to give like this overwhelming pleasure to their bottom. Yeah. And it's also kind of like funny for them because they're like, huh, see, I'm not getting aroused. Like, I don't want sex, but here you are like having 15 orgasms and it's like a it's a power move okay for them yes so you know kinky aces can use sex as both a a submissive or bottom and a a dominant top kind of thing i used to engage a lot in service um sex like providing sex as a service providing sex because i wanted to please my partner and i think as i've grown in my sexual journey it's not that i'm opposed to that but it is not no longer my preference to engage in that. Okay. I I like the idea of sex being on the table. I like it to be something to be teased with. Like, the thought of sex is there, but the sex itself is not there. Okay. It's weird, right? I mean... No. I mean, this is... This kind of reminds me of... I remember I was watching this uh, this commentary for this movie where... I think it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where the director was talking about, you know, there is a point where they wanted to have a sexually charged scene where, like, you saw this woman uh, who was naked. And the director was like, well, we thought about having, like, her being actually naked. But I realized that it's much more erotic to... Basically, like, had a bunch of, like, steam, I think. Mm. So, like, you can barely see what's going on, mm-hmm. but the the uh, the tangible mystery is there. Ooh, I like that. Uh, so, I feel like that's maybe not the same, but similar. Similar, yeah. Like, the, the tangible mystery of sex is there, but it doesn't... But it's not just sex. Right. I like that way of thinking about it, the tangible mystery. Like, that's that's really excellent. Yeah, I've certainly grown a lot on my journey of um, sex. And actually, my my real experience with attraction, like you, you said, G, that you might identify with demisexual. You're still exploring. I think for me, you know, I said I'm gray sexual in the sense that I, um, I do tend to be more capable of sexual attraction in a kinky context. But I also find that I'm very fray sexual, which is another term that is part of the ace community and it means that uh you are sexually attracted to those who you do not yet have an emotional bond with and that once you have an emotional bond you tend to lose that sexual attraction so actually that makes things a little bit difficult for me because as i've mentioned with you know to some other folks is like i would love to do casual kink like pick up kink and like not know the person that well and uh, but that comes with a lot of risks yes That's not very practical um, for really engaging in kink play, and I know that. It can be possible, you know, if you have a really good pickup partner who negotiates really well, 
then it can be possible. Or you have a friend set you up who you trust. A friend set you up that you trust. Yep, that's a good point. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, I can still achieve the sort of distanced emotional component with people that I know really well because I am, well, hypnosis is one of the things that I enjoy doing. And if you can just suspend disbelief, and I think maybe that's why I enjoy role play as well, is because it allows me to um, sort of almost emotionally distance myself from my partner so that way I can experience more of the sexual attraction. Okay. But fray sexual, yeah, it's difficult because most people are like the other way around. Most people do want the emotional closeness, even if they're not demisexual. They often do like to be emotionally close to their sexual partners. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. But yes, I wish there was a date. Uh, first of all, I wish there was a good ace dating app. I wish there was a good ace kinky dating app. Now we're getting really niche. Uh, where I could just be like, yeah, a kinky ace looking for top or something, you know? <laughs> and actually, I had been talking to Jay okay. when Jay was over. And I, w- I was talking to Jay about this dilemma of being ace. And then also, like, I have a lot of partners who are interested in me and they're submissive or yeah. bottoms. And I, like, really want, a like, a top, but also, like, a very D-type top. Yes. Somebody who is not me. <laughs> I, gee, I love playing with you. And I love playing with you, but I'm not a dominant. But you're not a dominant. <laughs> and I thought about putting in, like, my dating profile, like, only looking for tops. And Jay actually gave me really good advice. He said, don't close yourself off to possibilities, but just... You can phrase it in a way like, right now, I'm especially interested in tops. And I like that phrasing. But the sh- there are a lot of struggles that come with dating being asexual. I can imagine. Uh, I feel like, especially for people who might not be aware about asexuality, it's, you're on a dating app. Why are you... It's like, why are you on a dating app if you're asexual? And it's just like, it's it's not that. Like, I still want to make connections with people. I guess also we should probably briefly talk about aromantic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we should definitely talk about that. Because it's kind of the, the it's, twin to it's asexual. Related. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, twin. Yeah. I like it. We have a lot of good words coming out in this episode. Delicious, tangible mystery. <laughs> twin. Yes. So, aromantic. Well, do you want to say the definition? You want me to say the definition? I feel like you would probably give a better definition than me. Being aromantic, I actually do kind of consider myself to be Mm demi-romantic. So in this case, it's like demisexual, except now you need an emotional bond to experience romantic attraction. So this romantic attraction is separate from sexual attraction for some people... Mm-hmm. but heavily linked for many people. I will say that. So if we look at the split attraction model, which is viewing the sexual attraction separate from the romantic attraction, a romantic is the lack of romantic attraction. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all of the other words kind of apply, but for the romantic um, attraction. So for me, I do go by a, a split attraction model. My romantic attraction does not mirror my sexual attraction. Okay. I mean, obviously, if you are frasexual and demi-romantic... It's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Of each other. Yes. It's like, once I get the emotional bond, then I want the romance, but I don't want the sex anymore. <laughs> and again, that's that's really simplistic, but... Yes. We are summarizing complex spectrums for ease of communication. Yes. 
So there are definitely aromantic people who engage in kink. And for that, they might have sexual attraction and they might not. So yes, that was a good point to bring up. Yeah, I guess uh, this is the part in the show notes where I talk a little bit about my experience with... Oh, well, if you want, gee, I can keep going. <laughs> Do you want to keep I mean, going? No, go, fill me in on your, your experience. All right. So again, when we first started this podcast, I was pretty sure I was allosexual. Now I'm not so sure. And let's be honest, pandemic has not been a great time to explore that. Uh, so, um, but for me, even when I was pretty convinced I was allosexual, like a majority of my play partners were just that they were play partners. A majority of my play partners were just that play partners. You know, I would play with them, but it didn't necessarily mean I had a sexual attraction to them. Now, a lot of times my play has a, what I would consider to be a sexual component. Like I really like making out with people. And for you, that is sexual or is it sex adjacent? I, I'd say for most people it is at least sex adjacent. Uh, for myself, it might be like, I really like making out with right, people. Right. It's your kink. Yes. This is what I've said about G when we talk about making out, like G's kink, like G has a fetish for making out. Yeah. That's a whole kink for you. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, It's not my kink. Yes. But it's your kink and that's okay. So yeah, I'd say there's a sexual component to a lot of my play because I do like making out with people, even like during the middle of a scene. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm sexually attracted to them. And as I said earlier, one of my favorite toys is a violet wand, which for a lot of people, like I just love, like a lot of people don't play with violet wands. Like it's fairly, I don't want to say obscure, but uncommon toy in the scene, I'd say especially compared to things like floggers and canes and rope. Yeah, it's not as, like, there's not as many going around. Yeah. Uh, so I love introducing people to Violet Wand. Like, I I experience, like, true joy in, like, showing, especially if they like it, you know, that... You still have yet to top me with Violet Wand, and I am looking forward to it. Uh, I will, as soon as I can get it out of my storage unit. <laughs> I love... Showing people Violet Wand. I, I, as I said earlier in, uh, in this podcast, I love bottoming to Violet Wand. It's definitely not a sexual thing for me when I bottom for Violet Wand. It is, I love this sensation. This sensation releases a lot of endorphins and dopamines in my brain, and I love it. And there are definitely other things that I think of as sensation play, which you know, doesn't necessarily, you know, I love knives. Like, I love the sensation of, like, knives being dragged across your skin. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not a sexual, well, at least it doesn't have to be, like, a sexual activity for me, uh, a, a sexually charged uh, activity for me. Like, it's just, I love this sensation. And as a bottom, I love it, and I like doing it as a top because I think it's a interesting sensation to give to people. So yeah, I think I think most people who are in the scene will recognize that kink and sexuality sexual sexuality is not needed in kink. It's not a mandatory component. Um, it is is a frequently used component, but it is not a mandatory component to kink. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience. 
Because even people who are allosexual can engage in kink without it being sexual at all. And while you were talking about your experience, we hit on one phrase that I did want to hash out for our audience folks, which is sex adjacent. Because mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how making out for a lot of people is sex adjacent. Uh, for G in particular, it's very sexual. And sex adjacent, I think it really varies from person to person. But because like, you know, G was saying, it can be sex adjacent for some people, not for others. For me, sex adjacent would include like caressing, groping. I would even say like some kink activities for me might be sex adjacent. So that is what like sex adjacent, adjacent to sex, whatever sex means to you. Yes. Can I take a guess on like one of your sex adjacent things? Go for it. Face touching. Oh my God. Very sex adjacent for me. I love that face. Oh God. I just touched my own face and I just got aroused. Yes. Definitely face touching is sex adjacent for me. Whereas for a lot of people, that's not sex adjacent. (laughs) Yes. So I did want to bring that up. And then that got me thinking about, you know, we've talked a lot about different types of attraction. We talked about sexual attraction. We talked about romantic attraction. And I was really thinking for me, because kink is such a primary part of my identity, for me, there might be an actual separate attraction, like a kink attraction. Like there, I might be just like kink attracted to dominant folks or whatever. Yeah. Um, or to DS in particular. Kink attraction might be its own attraction for some people. Similarly to that, I did want to also bring up this concept. Gia, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but have you heard of alterous attraction? No, I don't think so. Alterous attraction is something that I've seen in ace communities, and it is um, phrased as not quite platonic, not quite romantic attraction. It's somewhere in the middle or, you know, beyond or whatever. Alterous attraction. And I feel this attraction to a lot of people. It's like, I want to be their friend, but also more more than friends, quote unquote, more than friends. But also I'm not like romantically attracted to them, but I don't really know. Like, I just like, it's this very intense feeling of attraction that is not necessarily quite romantic. So it sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like this seems a little bit like a looking for friends with benefits relationship. It could be for some people. Okay. Although friends with benefits often has like a sexual connotation. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to sort of conceptualize in my mind what you're saying. And this seems to be like the closest, like I realize there's probably like you, like a, you can have a romantic friends with benefits that doesn't like it. Uh, without the sexual connotation in this particular attraction model. I'm just trying to sort of conceptualize in my mind, like what the depth of intimate relationship is. I see what you're saying. It's kind of like friends with benefits, but instead of the benefits being sex, it's more of like some of the romantic components being the benefits. Yes. Yeah. I could see that fitting an alterous attraction um, situation. It could also fit well into the queer platonic relationship style, which is that you are literally queering the platonic yeah you are friends but also something else as well which might might include sex might not etc etc so yeah alterous attraction is definitely something that i have felt towards a lot of people going back to kink attraction because i there was something that came up in the discord and i just was so proud of it and i wanted to share it with all of you today we were talking about sexting now 
what does sexting look like for a kinky ace? Okay. And I coined this term. You coined this term. All right. I'm listening with bated breath. So instead of sexting, I'm BDSMSing. I'm sending a BDSMS. Okay. All right. Not not quite as pithy as sexting. It's but, not quite as pithy, but, but it's the best I could come up with. And yeah, people seem to like it. Yeah. I think it's catching on. I can definitely see it being much more used like in text. In text, yeah. Rather it, than like... Than saying it out loud. Yeah. Yeah, it looks way better in text. Just read the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of different things about asexuality and kink. I could really talk about this so much. So, G, do you have any, like, final thoughts or questions that you're like, hmm, maybe the audience folks want to know about this? I did I did have a question for you, and I believe this has actually come up in our own relationship. Okay. Um, which is... One going back to something you said earlier is like some ace people see you know, like basically sex as a service, which is something you did, and a lot something that's sort of being hammered in consent classes is enthusiastic consent. You know, especially I remember when I went to college, there was they brought all the freshmen in and like, hey, we need to have enthusiastic consent for any sort of sexual activity. So how? I, I think we kind of had a little bit of a speed bump um, before our sort of relationship smoothed out of like, it was hard for me to sort of judge when you were enthusiastic about sex because you're not <laughs> enthusiastic about sex. <laughs> right. Yes, I am sex neutral. Right. <laughs> uh, so I guess, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that or like... This is a freaking great question, G. Let me tell you. And I think a lot of people listening might have similar questions. Because sex favorable aces might... And I'm not saying this is a one-to-one, but they might be more enthusiastic because they're very favorable towards sex. But for me, I'm very sex neutral. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not gung-ho. I'm not totally not okay with it. And I think this is the thing. There's a lot of things about the current consent practices that are being pushed that aren't really realistic for everybody. First of all, not everybody can give verbal consent for a number of reasons. Not everybody uses verbal language. Not everybody is able to vocalize for a number of things, like because of trauma or whatever. They really might not be able to verbally affirm their consent. We need to reimagine things. We need to get into what does each person's consent look like for them in that situation. So for me, yeah, I'm not enthusiastic about sex like ever. So for me, I think it comes down to like, like my partner who is engaging in the sex with me, first of all, needs to be okay that I'm not enthusiastic because that can be for a lot of people. Yeah, like it was, you. it was, it was difficult for me. It's difficult. It didn't seem like you were enthusiastic about sex. Right. It's difficult because you're like, oh, I don't want to have sex with someone who's not enthusiastic. And I think that's that's like a good gut instinct because that's what we're being taught in these consent practices. So I totally don't judge anybody for that. But for me, no, it's not going to be enthusiastic. So you have to trust me. Trust your partner to explain what consent looks like to them. And don't necessarily apply blanket statements like it has to be verbal or it has to be enthusiastic. So I recommend with aces and with everybody to really negotiate that extremely well. Know what that will look like if they can't speak up or if they're like, like, if I'm just like, oh, yeah, I could. I Yeah, sex is fine right now. Like, that's probably the best I'm going to do. And that's how I would communicate that. Yeah. 
That's a great question, though. Thank you, G. Yeah, uh, it was just something that occurred to me while you were talking about it. And then you asked if I had any questions for you. Well, that's a hell of a good question. So <laughs> let's see. I guess my some of our audience folks might be interested. Like, how did you like I said, I'm still like trying to just determine like what my sexuality and is in regards to the spectrum. Um, like, how did you determine that you were asexual? It was honestly a real struggle because I thought for a long time that I was aloe, um, allosexual, and I should have, we should have clarified this in the beginning. I thought it might be clear from the context, but allosexual just means that you experience sexual attraction or that you're not asexual. Basically, you're not ace. I knew that I enjoyed kink for a long time. And for me, like I had mentioned during the episode, there are a lot of sexual components to that for me. And therefore, I thought I was aloe. I was like, oh, well, I get aroused when I think about this scenario. I get aroused when I engage like this with my partner. So clearly, I experience sexual attraction. And then it was in college that I had met an asexual person. And and she was like, not into kink at all and she was um but she, and she was very outspoken about being ace and that was very cool we got along really well and it seemed to be this juxtaposition because i was like super into kink and i thought i was really like that i had like a sexual attraction to people and, and she was very much like nope not into that and not into sex and not attracted and it was after talking to her and then reflecting back on my life and really i i spent a lot a lot of time with her listening to her experiences, and then slowly started to piece things together for myself. And I was like, oh, wait, am I actually attracted to the person or do I just really like kink? And I struggled for a while to come to terms with my sexuality. So I would say if anybody is listening and, and not sure if they fall on the A spectrum, that is normal and understandable. Our society normalizes sexual attraction and puts it in a lot of things. Movies, popular culture, advertisements. Books. So much in advertisements. <laughs> so much in advertisements. So it can be really hard to realize that you're ace in a, in a society that says sexual attraction is the normal. And I'm like, there is no normal. I mean, it's not even sexual attraction is the normal. It's it's just everybody has sexual attraction. Right. Like it's it. it like, but that is like that. It's normal, right? I feel, I guess for me, there's like a distinction, like the distinction in my mind is that like normal is what most people do, but there are some people who are outside normal. I feel like a lot this of- This is me more than normal. Yeah, this is more than normal. It's just baseline. Everybody does it, right. It's just- Right. It's just like- It's part of the human experience. Yeah. And aces will hear that. Yeah. You know, it's- the, Yeah. And there are, there's a lot of issues around how aces get- stigmatized and discriminated against because of all this but we will not get into it in this episode yeah however many good resources at that asexuality.org for people who are curious about more yeah i think that's about it for my questions do you have anything else you want to add I have nothing else to add except that if you are asexual and listening to this podcast, you are valid as fuck. And if you're allosexual, you're valid as fuck. I, I just seriously, I just want everybody out there to know that, like, it's okay to be ace. Yeah, and I was like that. It's okay to be unsure. Like, I'm... Right. Like, I'm still yes. not entirely certain, like, where my sexuality 
Like, it seems like at times I'm allosexual, but other times it seems like I'm demisexual. And for all I know, it could just be my personality is changing. And there is ace flux. There's people who go back and forth. So, yeah, absolutely. All of these are totally valid. If you have enjoyed this episode of KMP Podcast and like hearing us talk about these various topics, you know, such as asexuality and kink, our last episode was about uh, polyamory in the military. You enjoy hearing us talk about this. You can show your support by donating at the uh, link at the bottom of the show notes. And uh, if you are so inclined, you can also share this podcast with all of your friends, especially your ace friends, your questioning friends, your aloe friends, any and all of your friends. Share this podcast with them. And with that, this is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KNP Podcast. You can find us at knppodcast.tumblr.com. Or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. So that's what the kids are calling it these days? Calling what? What are the kids calling it? No, they're calling it tending to the demons. But what does that mean? Can you explain that to me? It's usually a joke about masturbation. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that's like a cool phrase. I could see that catching on. Tending to the demons? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely.